The idea of a hometown is complicated. It means different things to different people and sometimes has different answers in different situations. If you met someone at a party, though I'm sure that's hard to imagine nowadays, and they asked you where you're from, what would you say? For me, I would say Orlando. I was born here, I've lived here my whole life, but I'm not from Orlando, not really. I'm from a different county entirely. I'm from Seminole County, just to the north of Orange County, where Orlando is located. Seminole County is made up of seven cities, Altamont Springs, Longwood, Castleberry, Oviedo, Lake Mary, Sanford, and Winter Springs. I have lived in four of those cities, though mostly Altamont Springs. If someone asked me where I was from and they were from Orlando, I would say Altamont. It's just the truth. But like I told you in October, I moved recently from one end of Seminole to the other. I'm in Sanford now, a city I've always loved. It's both very old and very modern. It's nice here. I found myself driving into new regions of this county I believed I knew so well, slipping into neighborhoods and communities I never knew existed. New back roads, new restaurants, a new Publix. Perhaps the most exciting new trait I've found in my move are the long stretches of concrete that slip through the quiet corners of Seminole County wilderness. It is called the Cross Seminole Trail, and nearly everywhere you go in Seminole County there are little signs that indicate where you can park and enter onto the trail. I've traversed a few elements of the Seminole Trail now, quiet pockets of gray path that have unlocked all new sites that are only available on foot. I'd like to tell you about some of my favorite sites. If you go to the Black Hammock Trailhead, just south of Lake Jessup, you can head west or east. Heading west, you'll move alongside the back ends of several suburbs and even cross the famous Howell Creek for which so many things in the city are named. You'll wind through old neighborhoods where houses have back porches that look out to the trail. You'll pass through brand new neighborhoods where the gleaming houses are accompanied with the roar and grumble of construction. At one point, you'll pass a wooden sign that I was stunned to see bore my surname, Delisandro, spelled the same with an apostrophe and everything. If you pass that way anytime soon, that's not me. It's just another Delisandro out there in my county. Go a little further and you climb a large bridge over 434 and arrive at what else but a Publix. If you head east instead of west from the Black Hammock Trailhead, you'll soon pass directly under the 417 highway with cars and trucks flying overhead. It's strangely the most serene spot on the trail as a large stream trickles parallel to the path and plants have grown up along the concrete walls that support the highway. Beyond that, the trail is the dividing line between two small neighborhoods. When I visited, the houses to the left waved Trump 2020 and Make America Great Again flags, and the ones to the right were laden in Biden-Harris signs and pride flags. The Cross Seminole Trail, it seems, is the line between them. A few minutes further down the trail, you're in Oviedo. Just off the trail is the townhouse restaurant where I had an excellent breakfast alone on the patio, followed by a trip to the Walls of Books bookstore. Alongside all the other joggers, bikers, dog walkers, and hikers, the Cross Seminole Trail is a strange community center, a lifeline between everyone and everyone else. But the Cross Seminole Trail is not an entity unto itself. Though it is a long stretch of path through Seminole County alone, it is merely a link in a very, very long chain. 
See, you only need to follow a few more paths north until you wind up in Wakaiva, then up through the Seminole State Forest, then into the Ocala National Forest, up to the Cross Florida Greenway, and onward for mile upon mile until you reach Fort Pickens, all the way at the very western edge of the Panhandle. It's all part of one very long chain of trails and pathways, routes through the forested corners of our state that connect Fort Pickens near Pensacola all the way south to the Oasis Visitor Center deep in the Big Cypress National Preserve. It's all part of the Florida National Scenic Trail, an artery that connects you to me that is quietly one of the most important parts of our state's character. I'm Nick D'Alessandro, and this is Wait 5 Minutes, a podcast about Florida by a Floridian. This week, the Florida Trail, the long and connected series of trails that run from the southern tip of Florida all the way to the very western edge of the Panhandle. We'll be talking with Kelly Van Patten of the Florida Trail Association about the trail, its values, and the future of connectivity along the pathways of Florida. I have been hiking on and off for four years. It's become a quiet obsession of mine to one day have proper hiking shoes and equipment and to do proper hikes along massive trails like the Florida Trail. That inspiration for me stems back to late 2015 when I first learned about the Appalachian Trail. If somehow you've never heard of the Appalachian Trail, or sometimes called the AT, it is perhaps my favorite non-Florida piece of American nature. It is thousands of miles of trail that run from Georgia to Maine, snaking through several national parks and in the back corridors of many major American cities. I learned so much of its history and was inspired to start writing about nature myself by the book A Walk in the Woods by one of my favorite writers, Bill Bryson. I was fortunate enough to interview Bill Bryson back in 2016 from my college's website. We shared coffee and baseball anecdotes for a good hour. In that interview, I told him how much his book had inspired me to start hiking and to start exploring the nature around me. He gave me advice then, and I'll share it with you now, if you're interested in getting into hiking. Quote, Just go somewhere where there is a kind of wilderness experience. The physical part actually comes pretty easy after a few days. It's the mental part of it that is really, really hard. End quote. Now, he's talking about long, long trails that take weeks or months, but he's right. All you have to do is start moving. I took his advice, and soon enough, I was hiking in the wilderness around my town. Little did I know how much of it was the Florida Trail. The Florida Trail is really great and really unique um, in that you can follow our orange blazes 1,500 miles. So it starts down in Pensacola, uh, Florida, or sorry, it starts up in Pensacola, Florida, (laughs) and ends down in uh, the Everglades at Big Cypress National Preserve. That is Kelly Van Patten. We'd been trying to talk for a number of weeks back in late summer, but we kept missing each other. She had a pretty good reason. She was getting married. Finally, we were able to chat. My name is Kelly Van Patten, and I'm the trail program director with the Florida Trail Association. So the Florida Trail Association, we're a membership-based nonprofit, and the focus of our work is really to build, maintain, protect and promote the Florida National Scenic Trail, along with other hiking trails that our chapters maintain across the state. And so just kind of a little background on the Florida Trail, for short, 
So we're part of a family of congressionally designated long-distance hiking trails. So maybe some of the listeners have heard about the Appalachian Trail or the Pacific Crest Trail. Um, We're all kind of in the same family uh, designated by Congress under the National Scenic Trails Act. So we're definitely growing in notoriety, but uh, it's beautiful. It's, you know, within an hour's drive of most Floridians and major metropolitan areas. So it's really accessible and just a great way to kind of see and get to know the state. Now, this trail is huge, but its staff is not, made up of only a handful of employees as well as many, many dedicated volunteers. So we're a very small staff at FTA. We've got three regional staff members, our communications person, uh, an intern, a seasonal help, and a couple administrative staff. And then I manage our trail team. So really, our organization depends very, very heavily on volunteer effort. We have 19 really active volunteer chapters across the state, um, and they do everything from hosting trail maintenance projects, outdoor activities, monthly chapter meetings, and kind of everything in between. So if folks listening are interested in getting involved, that's a great place to start. Every county in Florida has an associated chapter. So our staff does a lot of the facilitating and the work, you know, liaisoning between the Forest Service and our local land managers and volunteers, but really we depend very heavily on volunteers to actually keep the trail maintained and connected and protected. In the trail segments I've hiked, I have come across plentiful signs that indicate that each individual segment was, indeed, maintained by volunteers that do the work of cleaning the trail, picking up litter, and making sure the path stays clear for any person that finds themselves along it. That's exactly how the trail was envisioned decades ago, when it was originally founded back in the 1960s. It started with a hiker named Jim Kern. So the story basically is that he envisioned it while hiking the Appalachian Trail in the early 1960s and just enjoyed it and benefited so greatly from it and just thought that down here in Florida, we do have so much public land and so much beauty and biodiversity that we should have a national scenic trail of our own. The story as it is told on the FTA website is that Jim wanted to hike in Florida, but there was no accessible hiking trails in the state. You'd have to travel much further north to get any sort of feasible hiking trail, maybe even as far north as North Carolina. Apparently, he hiked through South Florida out of sheer spite through the woods, and, quote, it took Kern 12 days to complete the 160-mile trek, end quote. For a normal hiker on a normal trail, that sort of distance would take under a week. But there were no trails, and Kern was fed up. State officials disagreed with Kern's public hiking protest, claiming no one else besides him had an interest in walking through the swamps. But they were soon proven wrong. A grassroots outcry spread across Florida. Jim was not alone. Folks from across the state, hikers and walkers and explorers, all reached out to Jim, informing him that they would love a trail or a number of trails in their neighborhoods so they could hike through our unique ecosystem. Basically, he is very much a grassroots effort just worked with people on the ground and local volunteers and uh, basically starting in 1966 he plays the first blaze over in the ocala national forest the first stretch of blazes was completed in 1969 26 miles through the ocala national forest slowly but surely the trail expanded over the years gaining more mileage as it gained more respect Those who had claimed it wasn't possible for a trail to exist in Florida were soon undermined by the 1980s. 
the Florida Trail was added to the collection of congressionally recognized National Scenic Trails in 1983. We were added alongside the Potomac Heritage National Scenic Trail, which runs through Virginia, Maryland, Pennsylvania, and D.C., and the Natchez Trace Trail, which runs through Tennessee, Alabama, and Mississippi. There are 11 of these trails today, and only three are reserved to one specific state, the Ice Age Trail in Wisconsin, the Arizona Trail, and us, the Florida Trail. If you're out in the woods of Florida hiking an unpaved path, the clearest way to know whether or not you're on the Florida Trail are the signature orange blazes. If you've never hiked, then you may not know that hiking trails have these little painted rectangles on trees and stumps and signs. Those marks indicate basically that you're going the right way, you're on the right path. When it comes to the Florida Trail, you may see the signature orange blaze of the FT right next to blue or purple or white marks that indicate other trails you may be on. That orange blaze is the best way to know you've made it. You are on the Florida Trail. While most of the other national trails move through hilly or mountainous regions, Florida, obviously, does not. Our environment is much different from those in other states, and that makes the trip more unique than the others. Florida is definitely very unique in terms of our national scenic trail compared to other uh, national scenic trails. I mean, like you said, one of the most obvious ones is we're not really dealing with, you know, climbing mountains or a whole lot of elevation. So, I, you know, I've heard people say that that means, oh, the trail must not be that challenging, but I definitely would beg to differ. I think it kind of brings its own challenges. Anyone who has hiked Florida knows how hard it can be. Other than the obvious troubles of hiking anywhere else, heat is an essential factor. If you're hiking any other time than basically the depths of winter, it can be grueling. Kelly, who obviously hikes herself, shares that heat is what makes certain terrains difficult for her. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the water sections are challenging, but I think beautiful and worth it. What I, I find the most challenging probably is uh, the prairie sections of Florida. I think a lot of people, especially who aren't from Florida, don't realize there's so much open prairie in the state. And it is if you're there on a hot, sunny day, it can be unrelenting, <laughs> depending right. on how far you're going. I mean, it's a beautiful ecosystem and uh, very important to protect, but it's definitely a challenge when you can't get in any shade and water might be scarce. Now, I don't mean to quibble with Kelly, but the prairies are my favorites. Then again, I'm not out there for long stretches of time. It's the watery segments that get me the most. I've seen tons of flooded out trails, or trails that are completely swarmed in insects that float near stagnant pools. The water and the mud are just too much for me. Those are the hardest parts to hike, and you're not going to find areas like that more than in the Everglades, where water and land are almost inseparable. I don't know if anybody's ever done any hiking in Big Cypress National Preserve, but you're going through water almost the whole time and you can barely see where you're stepping. I, I almost, I jokingly equate it to like <laughs> cross-country skiing on a mechanical bull because you're <laughs> slogging through and you don't know where you're stepping and there's solution holes in the rocks. I mean, it's definitely very challenging. Nevertheless, that's where Kelly thinks most people should start. Not that it's not difficult, but that it's so beautiful and I have to agree with her on that one. Kelly also shares a challenge that I have not considered in the slightest. 
you know, I think there's this perception, especially from people that aren't in Florida, that, oh, it's going to be this really hot, unbearable, humid experience. And there's definitely times that that'll be the case. But what I've heard from a lot of through hikers is they didn't come prepared with enough warm clothes. I've heard of big cypress getting down to freezing temperatures in January before. You know, I've heard of people waking up with frost on their tent. It's not impossible. So I know that's been definitely a challenge as well. But those challenges are coupled with something really unique. You're rarely hiking in places in this country that have this many ecosystems along one trail. You can be in swampy water one mile, in high dry forest the next, and in a grassland immediately after that. Overall, I mean, I think those challenges bring so much positivity to the trail. And just like you said, there's so much biodiversity and beautiful scenery that water and our specific climate and geography brings on. I know I've definitely talked to a lot of through hikers that have said They've hiked on a bunch of other national scenic trails and never seen as much wildlife and plant biodiversity as here. Um, So I think that's a huge highlight. And it's not just Floridians that wind up on our trails. People come from across the country and even further as well. Yes. Yeah, even uh, from all over the world as well. It's been really exciting to see kind of the diversity of through hikers that have come through. I mean, but there's still a small group. It's hard for us to get a grasp on the exact count of through hikers, but we estimate it somewhere between 75 and 100 people per year. Um, And there's definitely a good percentage of Floridians, but no lack of representation from other states or people. I think what's actually very convenient about a Florida trail is that our season is during the winter, which is when most other hiking is not available. So a lot of what we see is people training for other trails or, you know, trying to do something when they're in their downtime from other parts of the country. Hiking seasons is always something that's fascinated me, and Florida's hiking season is no exception. Like Kelly said, the Florida trail season runs through the winter. People usually start hiking in October, but many recommend starting in January when we are at our coldest and use the weather to your advantage. That is the total opposite of most other trails in the country. On the Appalachian, if one considered hiking during the winter, that is a guarantee of almost certain death. You would be moving into mountainous regions like the Smokies that become so covered in snow during the winter that it would be risky to one's own life to attempt to make that hike. The season for the Appalachian is literally the opposite of ours. Our season ends in April, theirs begins in March and runs through the summer. As someone who has done far too much hiking in the Florida summer, I cannot warn you against it enough. It's painful. I've heard about people hiking uh, in the summer. It's possible and people do it, but my gosh, I would not recommend it. (laughs) Really, our ideal hiking season, you know, it typically starts as early as October or September and it ends as late as April. But as far as most of our through hikers, most of them start right around uh, New Year's Day in January down in Big Cypress. And then the average completion time for the Florida Trail is about two and a half months. You know, we've had people finish it in 30 days or take six months, but typically two and a half months is right around when people finish. So that puts it out at early to mid-March. I don't know if I'll ever hike the length of the Florida Trail, not as a through hike, meaning from end to end with no breaks. I struggle with camping, but I hope one day I muster up the confidence to at least try a little of it for more than one day. Maybe by the time I do, the trail will be more developed than it is today. See, even though all the national scenic trails across the country are these great connective pathways, they also face an inevitable problem. Human development. 
gets in the way. I mean, a big challenge and a big aspect of what we work on is completing our trail. So right now the trail is around 1,500 miles and about 300 miles of that are roadwalk connectors. So, you know, wherever possible, we try to be on public land, but unfortunately, especially with Florida developing as quickly as it is, um, we can't always be on public land and we do have to use roadwalks for people that do want to complete a through hike. So that's a big focus of what we do. So hopefully in 10 years, we will definitely see uh, progress on that. We've got a lot of big reroutes in the works. I've done plenty of roadwalks in my time. There's lots of roadwalks along my pathway in Seminole County. This just means that the part of the trail you're moving on is not maybe totally engulfed in the forest. There's some roads nearby or you're walking along one. That's fine. It's just part of developing a natural trail in the modern world. There's things you can't avoid. Sometimes there have to be compromises. The Florida Trail is not some anomaly. Everybody has roadwalk portions. That's really a problem that almost all National Scenic Trails face. Um, aside from the Appalachian Trail, the average amount of trail that's protected within the National Scenic Trail community is 75%, which, and we're kind of right along that percentage with 25% of our trail, a little bit less than that being roadwalk. So it's definitely a challenge we all face, like I said, especially with development quickly encroaching especially in florida and central florida you know now is the time for us to do that advocacy work you know we go to hike the hill every year which is an event where all the national scenic trails get together up in dc and we try to advocate for money for public land among other things i know you've listened to this show long enough to know how important these public lands we're talking about are especially in florida the trail provides many things for floridians exercise access a connection with nature but Kelly shares with me that the trail is in itself a tool for conservation in a very, very literal sense, not just in spreading the word, but in something much more practical. I, I, I really like thinking about hiking trails and our trail specifically as a potential conservation tool in a lot of different ways. You know, if there's public land that has the National Scenic Trail on it, it'd be less likely to potentially get sold off or encroached upon. Um, it also kind of works in the other direction where... You know, as far as people growing up in Florida, if you haven't seen some of these public lands and these beautiful places, it makes you way less likely to actually advocate for them and want to protect for them. Um, so I see it going both ways. Our relative nearness to the trail is, as most things in Florida, a tightrope walk. It means that some of our encroachment breaks apart the trail for short periods, but it also means that we are close enough to the central idea that the trail is trying to convey. Protecting the land is the point of it, and the relationship between where we live and where we don't is what matters. One thing that I loved most about A Walk in the Woods by Bill Bryson is its affection to the communities near the trail. That balance is important. In the account of Bryson's hike, he would often hop off the trail for a night in a hotel or a warm meal or just a friendly face. These communities knew they were along the Appalachian Trail and they would invite in hikers to come, stop in, and rest their feet. That element of the trail is just so attractive to me. Not only do you get to hike beautiful parts of natural splendor, but you get to pop in and make friends across the country, places you never would go. What could be more wonderful than that? That is the best part. The Florida Trail has these neighboring communities as well, and Kelly tells me they're still growing. It's not just an idea, it's a community. That's something we're definitely looking to expand and have started to expand in recent years. So we've been revitalizing our Gateway Communities program, which does exactly that. It's very similar 
to the AT's Trail Town program. And so right now we have 11 gateway communities that we have official partnerships with all up and down the state. And within that, we've got a passport program. So there's, you know, if you get one of those, you can purchase it from our website. You can show up as a hiker at a local business during your hike and get stamped. And it just makes a really nice little memento after your journey, as well as it helps with just trip planning. Um, So we have a whole gateway community section of our website. And on there you can find you know, all along the trail, where are the post offices, laundromats, grocers, and all that that you would need to support you on a long distance journey. It really, the program goes both ways. I think at first glance, what you think of with Gateway Communities is that it's a resource for the hikers to be able to outfit and facilitate their journey, but it also works in the other direction. Um, You know, one thing our Gateway Communities intern is working on is adding dedicated kiosks within our gateway communities that talk about the Florida Trail and give people information about how they can access it because we find very frequently, you know, in talking to these business owners or government leaders and community members that they have no idea that the trail is within, you know, a really short distance of their community. So that's, you're exactly right, it's a huge benefit and that it also raises awareness within local communities. A lot of people don't even know they live near a trail, and some government officials only know of the idea in passing. But it's right there, part of our community's green spaces, weaving like a concrete river between us, opening pathways we had previously ignored. That's the whole reason it's there, to open our eyes. In a year of pain, confusion, and lots of eye-opening moments, Kelly Van Patten tells me that the trail reflects those anxieties and revelations. Across the state, people are utilizing the trail for more than just walking. You know, with everything going on in the world, have you seen, have, have you found that people are going out and hiking more once the, once the state areas were, were accessible for people to hike again? Yes, definitely. Both anecdotally, I've heard so much about crowded trailheads and just seeing a lot more people than usual, especially in our off season on the trail. Typically, our trail in the summer is not very widely used, but that's definitely not been the case this year with the pandemic happening. So we've seen that anecdotally as well as uh, we've got trail counters. We partnered with UF to place all across the state um, to help monitor the use of the trail. And even through that study, we've definitely seen increased use as well. It's been a strange year, but in a weird way, a great opportunity to spread awareness. And I'm really glad that the trail has been there as a resource for folks who need to get exercise and sunshine and get out of the house or socialize in a safe way. It's really shown the value and the importance uh, of what we do. I've found this to be true myself along the various parts of the trail I've been on this year. And not just in Seminole County, I've been in Ocala, obviously I've been along the Cross Florida Greenway. Everywhere on the trail that I've been this year, I've seen it to be true. There are so many people, mostly wearing masks or flipping them on as someone passes them. Everyone hangs to the far sides of the trails just to be absolutely sure of social distance. But when I'm out there, I feel like my community is alive, churning, moving. Though we don't get close to each other on the trail, they're not as far away anymore. And with a trail that stretches as far in as many directions as the Florida Trail does, all the way north and all the way south, everyone is tethered together along this spine of hiking paths that meet us where we are and invite us inside. People want to walk. They want to see the rivers trickling by and the woods arcing overhead. They want to see their neighbors out there. They want to see us. When I first moved, I was struggling to feel connected in my new town. I hadn't lived outside of my hometown, Altamont Springs, in over a decade. I felt so connected and leaving it behind hurt. 
But then, I stepped on the trail and things settled within me. There is no separation between us, between our towns, not in Florida. It's all the same water flowing beneath us, the same peninsula. I'm just in another spot on it. Jim Kern, the father of the Florida Trail, was right. Of course he was. Everyone is always looking for an opportunity to connect, whether that be with nature or with each other. All we needed in Florida was a trail to follow. And now, it's there, whenever you may need it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Wait 5 Minutes. I'm so glad that you're here. If you're brand new to the show, or even if this is your first episode, welcome. There are some really incredible stories waiting for you. If you're looking for a good place to jump in, you don't need to go all the way back to the beginning. I would recommend listening to part two of the Cross Florida Greenway episodes from earlier this year, and to the story of gopher tortoises who are frequent guests along the Florida Trail. I've seen more than I can count along the FT. If you did enjoy this episode, please consider leaving a five-star review below. It helps the show become more visible, and it means the world to me. You can also find me and share the episodes on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at WFMPod. If you want to send me a message, you can do so at WFMPod at gmail.com. And if you want to reach me, you can check out my personal account on Twitter at WFMNick. I look forward to hearing from you. I'd also like to give a very special thank you to Kelly Van Patten. The work that the FTA does is invaluable, and I could not be more grateful for our time chatting. I will be returning to more stories about the Florida Trail. There is just so much we did not cover. This is just the beginning of our episodes and work on the Florida Trail. If you want to learn more, check out the Florida Trail website at the link below and figure out where the closest orange blaze is to you so you can pay them a visit. All the music used in this episode is from Lobo Loco. You can find more of their fabulous music at the link below. Next week, the beginning of our two-part series about the Pork Chop Gang, a tale of political greed and manipulation you'll have to hear to believe. I'll see you next Monday with a brand new episode. Until then, I'm Nick D'Alessandro. Be good to yourself. Be good to others. Wear a mask when you go outside. And... Drink more water. Have a good week. Take care of yourself. Mm-hmm.